Welcome to the Indie Matters Podcast, where we talk about the issues that matter most to Nevada. I'm Riley Snyder, filling in for Nevada Independent Editor John Ralston. In pursuit of our mission to provide reader-supported, nonpartisan news and information, the Nevada Independent sometimes accepts sponsorships of events and the podcast. Sponsors have no input into topics or content. This episode of Indie Matters is sponsored by the Nevada Mining Association. All right, we're here with Assemblywoman Connie Monk and Assemblywoman Alexis Hansen. Uh, thank you two both so much for agreeing to sit down on Indie Matters. I guess for people who don't know, Assemblywoman Monk represents an area in Las Vegas. Assemblywoman Hansen represents an area that covers several counties uh, in northern Nevada. However, they're both part of the historic um, female majority legislature that Nevada made history with uh, this session. So um, thank you both so much for coming and chatting with us. Uh, we're just kind of hoping to let people get kind of an inside look into what the life of a legislator is like, what it entails. Uh, we were talking a little bit about sort of what your your day is composed of. So for, for those who don't know, how, what, what would you say like your average day typically uh, is made up by? Well, for my average day, it usually starts about 7 to 7.15. My one committee that is supposed to start at 8 usually starts about 8.30. So um, but I get here to read bills maybe that have already dropped in whatever particular committee room that we're going to discuss them. Um, and then after my last committee, between 3.30 and 4, I usually have appointments uh, till 5.30 or 6, somewhere in there. Yeah, and my schedule pretty much follows that same pattern, although my, my uh, first committee judiciary always starts promptly at 8 a.m. with Chairman Yeager. I usually prep for bills the next day, so I think that that's what I've been surprised at the most, even though I'm not a stranger to the building or the legislative process, being on this side of the desk, the pace, the clip, the uh, amount of information that you have in hearings, that you are meeting with individuals and, and interested parties about legislation. Um, it's a rapid clip, and I'm, I'm feeling like this might be the best weight loss program I've entered into because I've not really had a lot of time to eat. Well, I I heard different. I heard you usually put on about 15 That's pounds, what I mean. So. Yeah. yeah, they say it's the freshman 15, but so far, yeah. that's why I had a donut today from the donut wall in Chairman Yeager's office because my pants were feeling a little looser than usual. So, so both of you, right, had experience with the legislature prior to being elected. Uh, Ms. Monk, you were, um, you'd come up in 2017 and you'd testify on bills. And for those who don't know, Assemblywoman Hansen's husband uh, served in the Assembly for quite a while and is now a state senator. Are there things that surprised you once you got into the building and, you know, the first day started um, as in terms of just the schedule or what the duties of the legislative uh, process entails? I think for one thing that that really surprised me, I had watched a lot of floor sessions, but to actually be on the floor, learn what each, you know, um, number was and what it meant and when you say it and uh, that type of thing. You know, I really, even though during orientation, you know, they ran us through it a couple times. For me, I think that was one of the most uptight things that I felt, oh, geez, I hope I don't screw up on floor, you know. I think, as just as Alexa said, I think just the pace, you know, running from one to another or one appointment on top of another on top of another, you know, um, is what has really surprised me. I knew it wouldn't be easy, but you know, so far it's 
And we're only one month in. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Uh, For me, having been here really in the process as a citizen and interested in certain bills, it's a little more single focused when you're when you're on the other side of the desk. And then being now as a sitting assemblywoman, that kind of added pressure that you feel on your shoulders to to represent a multitude of issues and be knowledgeable on a, on a multitude of fronts. So that part has been eye-opening. Also learning to segment my brain. I will go from a judiciary hearing where I'm learning about, you know, um, remedies for sentencing or, or parolees to then education to talk about children's issues, then over to natural resources to talk about the big W, the water issues, which in itself would probably need its own session. So just the the variety, the the amount of, of really good information. And then um, as Connie mentioned, when you're on the floor and you've got, you know, Mason's rules and the parliamentary procedure, I've learned that for the most part, we just have to do it in order to understand how it works because they can tell you this is what you do under this rule, this is what you do under that rule. But until you just actually get out there and start practicing it, that's when it starts to feel a little more comfortable. Is it nerve-wracking to be on the floor and have to do the order of business 15 even for introducing people? I mean, just to be like there and everyone's looking at you, whether it's in the chamber or like from the second row gallery, is that... I, I was I was nervous. I was the first freshman to drop two bills. <laughs> and um, yeah, I was nervous, you know, but it was easy. And now it's a lot easier because we introduce, you know, people on the floor we have before. And um, I think each each time gets a little easier and a little easier. So um, I agreed. Uh, the, I think with the floor, you know, public speaking, it's I think if you come to this position, Public speaking is easier for some rather than others, but even for me, even though I enjoy conversation, public speaking is a different thing. I I remember I read a survey once that uh, people, one of their number one fears is speaking in public, and number two was dying in an airplane. Like, they would rather (laughs) die than speak in public. So, um, yeah, you know, you especially when you're introducing people, you want it to be genuine. You don't want to be just reading something and you want to say their name right and all these little things that come into play. But, boy, Legislative Council Bureau and even leadership, they do their best yeah. to make you feel comfortable and to, you know, go through the process um, without making you feel bad if you've goofed up somewhere along the line. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask one more question and then let Megan take over. Uh, <laughs> um, but one thing your attache told me, Assemblywoman uh, Hansen, is that um, every week or so you need like a half hour booked out of your schedule to like catch up on text messages, personal emails and things like that. For both of you, are there things you do to like try to keep, you know, one foot in the real world and then um, how do you manage that in terms of time balance between that and all your other many duties as a legislator? Uh, yes, that booking that half an hour somewhere in the day that I could have a moment to regroup. And sometimes it's regrouping about a legislative things. Other times it's like, oh, I needed to call my sister's in the hospital. I need to talk to her. Um, I really try to make an effort not to be looking at my phone a lot during committee meetings, uh, not to be into my personal emails and that. So you take that for granted how much during a, a given day that you and your personal life take care of those things. So, and when you were asking earlier, what was maybe one of the things that surprised you the most now that you're actually doing it? I have developed such a respect for what legislators have done now that have been, they have other jobs and how you you juggle that. You know, I, I think about 
to have those pressures of your your private job on top of this and navigating that stress um, has given me a great appreciation. I'm a realtor. We own a plumbing business. And having that in the background is a little bit of an uh, extra added factor for all of us that are here. I don't think anybody's just playing out retired. I mean, they've got ties to something in the community. So that's been a challenge, but I, I cultivated a huge respect. I think for me, part of it, too, is I am a breast cancer survivor, and so I am very conscious about what I put in my body, uh, taking care of myself, um, and I will walk up and down the steps and take 15, 20 minutes and just walk as far as I can and come around or walk around the floor, and it really helps. It really helps to clear your brain, um, or I'll come in here and shut the door and maybe just sit here for five minutes and just deep breathe and just... I know one of the orientations the very first day was, um, who was it, Danielle Monroe Marino and Jill Tolls right. told us, you've got to take the time and yourself. you've got to mm -hmm. take care of yourself. And I think most of us do, especially mm -hmm. us older ones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I was going to ask in that vein of just sort of trying to balance your life as a legislator with your personal life, how hard is it to, you know, maintain your relationship with your spouse or your kids and stay in contact? Do you find it hard to make time for them, you know, during the day or even on the weekends? I am very lucky because all of my children are grown and don't live in Nevada. So, and my husband and I retired. My husband's older than I am, and he's been retired for quite a while. So all we have is our furry kids here. And so I, at times I think he does feel a little left out, but I try to include him in some of the after-hour things. He enjoys going to that. It's been kind of hard keeping track of the kids and the grandkids. I had to write myself a note yesterday because my... Seven-year-old just had a birthday yesterday, and so I had to remember to call him, you know, because you get busy, and all of a sudden it's 6 o'clock, and it's 8 o'clock there where they're at, so. Oh, my goodness. That I just realized, were you saying that? Today's February 22nd, is that correct? Yes. It is my son-in-law's birthday. Yeah, it's my oh. Tyler Hawk. It's my daughter's Hello, birthday. Hello, Tyler Hawk. Too. He's oh like one of the, I have fabulous son-in-laws. I have four daughters, three that are married, so I don't have a favorite. They're all my favorites. So I have got to go call Tyler Hawk right after I get <laughs> off of this. <laughs> but um, yeah. for me too, um, our children are grown. Um, our youngest is in college. Um, she does live at home, uh, but she works. And in fact, we are staying here in Carson during the session and go home on the weekends. And my husband being a legislator as well, you would think we probably see each other a lot, but I was just joking the other day. I said, I think I saw you more when I wasn't here um, <laughs> full time. Um, so our schedules are different. And uh, but with the kids, I, you know, I a lot four of my eight live out of state and our family texts are like a treasure trove of hilarity and and wonderful sentiments. And so to stay away from the family text has been a challenge for me. So I'll catch up with those at night. And uh, so, yeah, but, you know, I prepared them once I was elected. I said, now's the time for me to babysit. Now's the time because once once the session starts, I'm not going to be able to travel and not even have the local grandkids over like I would. So on the weekends, I'll say, hey, I'm home. Come over. Let's have dinner and kind of catch up. And that's good therapy. 
Yeah. I know both of you also were talking about sort of your daily routine and, you know, finding time to read bills. And and you were talking about also with your various committees, you know, trying to segment your mind. So you're going from natural resources to judiciary to maybe healthcare, education, all these different topics. You know, the first couple of weeks have been full, filled with all these presentations, sort of primers on everything under the sun. Has it been hard to get up to speed or what's your process for sort of trying to, you know, absorb these vast quantities of information you're getting to do the work that you need to do on those committees. Well, and we and we've had some heavy duty stuff hit us early on. Uh, we had the gun bill drop in on us. Really, we got wind of it on Thursday, right after the swearing in day, um, and then into a major committee hearing on the following Tuesday. So literally, I'd been sworn in um, and only been in the building officially, you know, six six business days. So that was hard, and that kind of postponed a lot of other stuff that we were trying to prep because there were other bills that were coming, getting ready for committees. So that was a little bit of a, I, I said, oh, I really am a freshman in a garbage can upside down. This is how I'm being initiated. So that, and then of course, um, uh, Connie had a bill on vac- vaccinations, well, per se, we call it the vaccine bill. I don't know if that's fair to call it the vaccine bill. And and that was a very, you know, emotional and, and a very heavy bill for her and for for um, the people who attended. So to me, we just, we hit the ground running. I have said to my attache, I think going forward, you know, if I return to this again in, in another session, that I think it would be better maybe to put off a little bit of the appointments, not in the first, mm. don't have those in the first couple of weeks, mm. even though I'm anxious to meet people and get to know, because we are getting a lot of information and we need to get dialed in better, and then spread those appointments out a little bit more into maybe latter February into March. Well, and I think the thing with the appointments also is they want to get them in now because they know in March, April, and May we're going to be so buried, you know, we're not going to be able to even breathe practically. Although I have gotten wind that there's a little lull in March, so that's what I'm looking if that really does happen. <laughs> so, that's but good. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and some, a lull to us is an hour. Right, so. that's right. <laughs> well, and one of my favorite things is meeting with the people and the interested parties that want to come in. And it's the people's house. They they have every right to come and to meet their legislators and to and the lobbyists to lobby, you know. Um, we can't be everywhere and know every subject, and that's where lobbyists really play a vital role, too, as well as constituents in giving us feedback and information. I, uh, Alexis, I mentioned my bill on Tuesday. Uh, we had over two and a half hours, of course, of testimony. But after Tuesday, I've had over 200 emails that I've answered each one of them personally. And it's funny because each day they drop off a little bit more because, you know, I have been answering the emails. Today I got one, and it was perfect. I'm having some of those parents come in next Friday to discuss some of their ideas with this bill. Um, And I think that's going to help. And they're probably your constituents because they're coming from Reno. Mm-hmm. In Carson City, that area. So you might want to come in. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. Sparks, but yeah. I, I love Reno too. I love Reno. It seems like, in some ways, especially that that bill and that hearing, just filled with so much, you know, emotion from folks. Um, it's sort of trial by fire for you. Um, that being sort of your first big bill. Were you expecting that kind of response? Um, and had you heard comments from folks ahead of the session, or was this sort of like it all just came all at once? Oh no, we knew. We knew once the bill dropped and it was in, you know, Nellis, we knew it was going to happen. But also, 
I've been through so much in my lifetime in different areas of my life. I've remade myself several times going through breast cancer. So, you know, we expected what was coming, and it, a lot of it was, wasn't even about the bill. A lot of their testimony had nothing to do with what the contents were in the bill. Um, and so all you can, and, and in the anger, you know, I think what kind of surprised me was the anger of these parents, which had nothing to do with the bill itself. You know, we're not saying go vaccinate your child, you know, and it wasn't that at all. But it was, you know, it can't get any worse than that. <laughs> oh, yes, it can. Oh, yes, it can. Yes, it can. Uh, I, I, after I left your, um, after I left our committee about that bill, I got out in the hall. I said, it's either water, wild horses, and now we know it's a vaccine bill that will really, well, or gun yeah. bill, <laughs> you know. And, and it, it's understandable that people are emotional and 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 that's the thing whether it was the gun bill i remember listening to the hearing about the the death penalty last session and then we're going to be revisiting that yep. again there was tremendous emotion and to the point as i listened remotely uh, i was in arizona babysitting grandkids shedding tears you know over testimony on both sides so i i think that and and for the most part you know i think People behaved as best they could, and, you know, when they're not, then they're, luckily, we have people that will help yeah. keep them in check. So, yeah, that's just part of the process, I go, and, and I, I think, and I, also for us as legislators, I think it's good for us to see how, you know, we could live in a bubble here, and all this can seem very kind of out there, but then when we have real people in front of us, it becomes real that this job is so serious about these, that the laws that we pass impact lives and that sometimes there's unintended consequences. And so people, they're entitled to their suspicion, they're entitled to their worries, and then we have to do the best we can to help them see the difference between what's myth, what's real, and what, because we all will get caught up in hypotheticals all day long. So yeah, it's a juggle, and, uh, but, you know, we all we both signed up for this. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I have another question, and then I'm going to give it back to, to Riley for, for some more questions. But, you know, I think a lot of folks just sort of in the general public, their only exposure to the legislative process is maybe what they hear about Congress on the nightly news, you know, a lot of partisan politics in D.C. You know, we always hear that the Nevada legislature, you know, isn't like that. I think there's some concern that it's becoming a little bit more partisan. You two are both sitting here with us on opposite sides of the aisle. What has your experience been like with, you know, folks on the other side of the aisle and some of these partisan debates that can be a little bit more difficult to approach? Well, for me personally, I I think it's been absolutely fantastic. I've really enjoyed getting to know. Of course, I had Alexis, you know, in the orientation and several other, you know, Republicans. And I'm finding very open, honest conversation. Even after the gun bill, you know, Alexis uh, talked to a couple of us and her, you know, it was right here from the heart and we understood where she was coming from. Uh, and I think that's what it's going to be this time. I really do. Yeah, there's going to be controversy. We know that because there's two different sides to it. But um, I, I have found so far personally some very, very nice people and friends. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that and that too can make it a quandary because I think because we see on the national level, you know, you think, oh, it's, you know, they, we, if they're on the other side, they must have horns on their head or something. And it's not that way mm-hmm. at all, not here on the state level. Um, and the orientation that, we're, per, that we're, we're given is so great for the freshmen. I'm trying to remember, I think there were 18 freshmen from the, between the Senate and the Assembly side. And that was an important, that's an important function mm-hmm. that LCB offers for you to develop a camaraderie, to get to know each other on a personal level so that you can kind of breach some of your differences. And for me, you know, I, well, it, historically speaking, 80, 85 percent of legislation here typically is yeah, bipartisan. That's true. It's going to be maybe 12, 15 percent. We're going to break down maybe on our own philosophical, you know, political agendas. And for me, what's important is these are people I respect. I mean, although every one of those assembly members I respect and I just want them to be able to understand. They don't have to agree with me, but for instance, with the gun bill, you know, it's important that my colleagues know why I vote the way I do, whether it be that bill or another one, because I, out of respect for them, I want them to know that even though I know we're not agreeing on this, I just want you to know why I did this, and my constituents need to know why. And I think if we can keep that spirit about us, not be afraid to hear what each other has to say. That's one of the reasons I like being here. I know what I think. I want to know, how did you get from point A to point B? Because my idea of how getting from point A to point B is differently. So I want to, I want to understand how you're doing it, how you're getting there. Um, for both of you, can you give us an example of maybe how you're working with the other party? I know Assembly Open Hanson, you have a bill, I think, on code enforcement that you have a handful of Democrats who have signed up as co-sponsors. But mm-hmm. How do you go about that, or is that important for both of you to work with and to get either, if not co-sponsors, then bipartisan buy-in on both of your uh, legislative proposals? Um, well, be- I, I went reached out, and I think all of us are doing that. We pretty much want to reach out to both sides on our bill. I think some of us know if we have a certain bill that's probably not going to be real popular on the other side, we might not do that. But I might still try it just to get their reasoning. Like, you know, I want to understand why you wouldn't be in support of this. I think that's good just for the dialogue. Um, So, yeah, with the code enforcement officers wanting to have their information confidential, there's been some scary um, examples in California where code enforcement officers, whether it be building codes, you know, health codes, things like that, they develop these tensions sometimes with uh, property owners that can kind of be long term. And there's been some horrific examples in California of people being murdered uh, because they Googled their information. So it seemed like a very reasonable request from a code enforcement officer in Reno. And then the city of Reno themselves had got behind this and wanted it carried. So I just made that appeal and it was reasonable. And so uh, some of my Democratic colleagues were able to sign on board with that. So I think that's and they've done the same with uh, with with me on the other side. I've signed on to some of theirs. Same. Ditto. <laughs> We're no. lessons from public commenters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, um, and especially we're talking about this vaccination bill. Let's use that as an example. I have two sexual assault bills that are being going to be dropping also. Um, and I think, especially for the women on that, on the other side, I will be shopping that bill because it's important. We need to protect 
I just feel so comfortable with talking with not only Alexis, but everyone uh, in regards to, you know, my bills and what's happening, and this is what we're going to be doing on them. Because I think we have developed that, that friendship and also that respect on both sides that I think is very important to get things done. And it's okay to disagree. Exactly. You know, it's not a personal thing. It's just, you know, we, we have policy and we have friendship. And the two, you know, cons- your friendship can exist outside of the policy differences. I, I, I think we've gotten, tur- you know, t- the, the temperature has gotten turned too, too high in the rhetoric at, in our nation that somehow you can't bridge that. And, and I think when you get down to the local levels, you see that you certainly can because you're able to have relationships. I think on the national level, you can't have really relationships. It's long distance. It's, it's a, a bigger place. But... I'm grateful that we can have that here. Well, and I think Nevada's going to show them how to do That's it also. Right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I just want to thank both of you. Just, I was thinking, like, if we were doing this in D.C., there'd be, like, six staff members. Oh, and, like, exactly. Everyone would be recording it. And then yeah. we're just here with you guys in your office on a Friday. So thank you for being so open. And it's of one of the course. things I loved about Nevada is just the accessibility right. and how great it is for local lawmakers. The one final thing I did want to ask Assemblywoman Hansen is uh, you did have a bill that got a little bit of notoriety, I think, on, on Twitter and right, through the online right. spheres about <laughs> oh, I allowing her oh, you, know, you don't know what that's like, no. do you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I do. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Um, so your bill, uh, as I read it, would allow some charter school students to drive themselves to school. Do you want to explain mm. what it's about and maybe clear up any misconceptions sure, you, you saw? Thank you for the opportunity. Yes, you know, it's one of those things where a little bit of information is dangerous, you know. So this this law already exists in Nevada, um, that there's a restricted driver's license that can be applied for for students that are ages 14 to 18 um, for populations under 55,000 in a county and under 25,000 in a city. But with the, and this, I, if I recall, and this is off the top of my head, I think it was Senator Raggio brought this legislation in the 90s, the early 90s. Now, certainly since then, we've seen a growth in population and the advent of public charter schools. So the, we have some incredible technical high schools that are charter that, that and most of those are in urban populations. You know, we have, you know, in Las Vegas and in Reno. And I actually brought this bill on behalf of a constituent and on behalf of Ace Charter School in, in Reno, which is near the airport, a brick and mortar charter school that gives, you know, four year school. Mm-hmm. You get your high school diploma. Many of the legislators here have toured. We're all in awe of what the school does. You can get a diesel mechanic certificate. You can get into CAD, go on to college if you want. But a lot of this school caters to to kids who don't necessarily want to go to college, but they want to get a trade and a vocation. And there's a big need for that. So transportation is a huge issue for brick and mortar public charter schools, because transportation is not provided, even though their tax dollars through the Washington County School District go, you know, are being utilized the same as, you know, in a regular neighborhood school, but they don't get transportation. This bill would allow parents that school with the DMV to decide what child is an appropriate fit to have a restricted driver's license. They would only drive from point A to point B to school in the morning and in the afternoon. It The path is mapped out. You know, we're not going to, parents and school officials are not going to put a kid on a freeway. So for most instances, it's not going to occur on a freeway. It's going to be on the side streets getting them to school. And like I said, 
the legislation already exists. We're just asking to remove the cap and um, give equity to these other students that, that aren't able to access that. So thank you for letting me clarify yeah. that it's not 14-year-olds on the freeway. It's a slew of preteens on that That's road. right, right. Um, you're nodding to some people, Monk. I'm curious, is this something you would support? or? Oh, definitely, 100%. Because I know the schools, I have toured some of the they're schools amazing. in her area, and that was one of the things that they said, we don't have buses that bring these kids from all over Sparks and Reno um, even though they get the public money and the public funds. And so it's hard to get these kids to the schools where they're doing fantastic. I mean, some of these schools are wonderful. Yes, and, and, it, and most of these kids are either in a single-parent home or if both parents are working, the, the commute out of yeah. that off the path like that, they're either being dropped off at the school at 6 in the morning. Some of these kids are taking, there's 195 students at ACE Charter, and some of those students are taking uh, RTC, multiple connections to get there. I, I think that's dangerous. You know, they're out there when it's dark. They're mm -hmm. out there and it's cold. Um, and so we just want to give them a remedy. And it won't, it won't be, the system will not be inundated with a bunch of young drivers. And if they violate any aspect of that restricted driver's license, they lose the ability to get their license till they're 18. So a kid knows in advance the harsh consequences that are involved in this restricted driver's license. Well, cool. I think that's a good bipartisan note to, to end on. Thank you both so much for chatting with us Thank today. You. Oh, Thank Appreciate you. It. Appreciate We've it. enjoyed it. That's all the time we have for this edition of the Indie Matters podcast. We want to know what you guys think. If you have ideas, criticism, or even praise for this uh, Ralston Free edition of Indie Matters, email us at ideas at theenvyindie.com. Remember to check out our site if you haven't already, uh, and search for us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. And remember to rate us and subscribe too. Thanks for listening to Indie Matters, and we'll talk to you next week. Hey.